Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. Today's episode is with Wayne Washington, who's the owner of Grow Company Profits. We're going to be talking about the actual tangible steps it takes to manage a business, including if you have any kind of logistics involved with an actual warehouse, a physical space, some kind of building that you're having to look after and worry about. Wayne has experience here. We're going to be talking about his past, as well as what you need to be thinking about for the future as you grow your business. Hey, enjoy this episode. Here comes your good advice. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. Sitting down today talking with Wayne Washington. He's the owner of Grow Company Profits. It's a company that's designed to help you grow the profits of your business. We're going to be talking about the day-to-day operations of your business. And Wayne isn't some guy who just came out of nowhere and just wants to talk about business. This guy's been running his own business for, gosh, I guess almost 25 years. He's been running facility management and engineering Uh, He's a successful business owner in his own right. And we're going to be talking about how things get so clunky in the day-to-day of running the operations of your business. How do you manage it all? How do you get through the mess of simply organizing the business and making sure you can focus on simply helping the customer? We're going to be talking about all of that today. Wayne, it's great to have you on the show today. Blake, it's so great to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Of course. Now, uh, where are you calling in from? Evansville, Indiana, uh, about down in the southwest corner of Indiana, where Illinois, Kentucky, and Indiana come together. I don't think I've ever really been to Indiana. I I I like the Colts. <laughs> <That's about> it, <laughs> well, so. I'm an Eagles fan, so okay. we'll, we'll disagree about that. <laughs> sure, sure. You're in the wrong. You're in the wrong state. <laughs> well, you know, you go where the money goes. I got my job here in Evansville in 1980, 1987, I think it was. No, 1980, yeah. and uh, I've been here ever since. So tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, obviously I gave my version of who you are. Um, okay. I'd love to hear, you know, your scoop on who is Wayne Washington. Okay. Um, I guess the best way to start is start where my background, um, degree in, in electrical engineering from a small school in Ohio called Ohio Northern University. Um, and from there took various project management or project engineering type of positions where I learned how to run projects. You know, you, you have a, you have a, a goal, you implement the goal, your, pro- your process is do it on time, on budget, and, and hit the specifications that you're trying to do. Became very successful at that uh, over the years. And in 1997, I uh, started my own business, a business called Facility Management and Engineering. And while, before starting my business, I was working at Mead Johnson Nutrition Division here in Evansville. And I was what they call a facility manager. I have responsibility for about 2 million square foot of space. This is where they make the infamil product, uh, baby formula product. I remember you said you have a one, a one and a half year old. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they probably used that infamil or some kind of product like that before. But anyway, uh, that's what we manufactured here at Evansville. And I have responsibility for all the maintenance, all the housekeeping, um, uh, telecommunications, 
anything that had to do with the infrastructure. So that's where my background came from. Also, during that time frame, uh, me, me, Johnson, at the time was on a paper and pencil uh, type of maintenance system. My job back in 1994 was to convert that to a computerized maintenance management system. And we, in doing that, and that became, I learned a lot about computers. I learned a lot about computerizing day-to-day operations. So took that information. When I started my own company in 1997, I wrote my own specification for a computerized maintenance management system. We built, we had a company build it. Uh, we put it in operations. It was a matter of fact, it's back in 2002. And we were a cloud-based uh, facility management system back in 2002 before the cloud became very wow. popular. Uh, so we started that. We've been doing that. We upgraded the program back in 2014 or so. Uh, so it's still available. So we still use it. Uh, but what I realized, Blake, was uh, a lot of, and I'm going to use the term affectionately, bean counters, uh, do not respect facilities. Uh, they want to do, they want to get the, the, the most out of the bank, run, run the facility till it drops. Uh, if it ain't broken, don't fix it. And it's hard to teach facility owners to get the best of their business with that kind of mentality. So I see that, I see, I still see the facility management con- in, industry as, as just a, a commodity hmm. where you don't really bring a lot of expertise to it. So back in 2016, I started Grow Company Profits. And the purpose of that is, how do I start now working with CEOs? And when you start working with CEOs, you you can't look at operations as a standalone type of thing. You have operations, you have strategy, and you have culture. And all three of those have to come together to be successful. If If you want to sustain your profitability over a long period of time, all three of those have to be in sync or what I call an alignment. So that's what I started doing back in uh, 2016. I've been doing that for the last, um, or I say five years, basically. And that's that's the background. What, what made the concept really, t- in my mind, so successful uh, was back in 1994. I'm, I'm throwing these timeframes out like, <laughs> <laughs> like the yesterday, but it's almost like in the, in the back of my mind. Uh, back in 1994, outsourcing was a thing in industry. You know, if you didn't have your core business of, of what like manufacturing infamil, it was outsourced. So my role was the site facility manager. We had the people who took care of the toilets, who took care of the lights, who cut the grass. And that's a very easy thing to outsource. And we had to defend ourselves against outsourcing. And I had a group of, a group of maintenance people. I had about 54 people in my department. And we had to find a way to challenge these older guys. Most of my department members were between 45 and 60. And the only thing on their mind was retirement or fishing. And you try to take a concept about change to that age group, it's sure. difficult. So what we had to do was we made the outsourcers the enemy. And, and by that, I mean, we had to be better, faster, and cheaper than anybody outside. We also created what I call, uh, uh, we call it like a working team. We took about five or six of the actual workers, the maintenance men, and I purposely picked the most vocal people in the department, the, the thought leaders, and we had them create what I call working agreements. And this is how we decide to work with each other, how we respect each other, you know, how we make sure our behavior is with each other so we get along. Every depart- every person in that department signed, all 54 people signed the uh, agreements. We had it blown up. It's on the wall. 
And that became the foundation of how do you get people to work together? You got to find something they have an interest in. You got to find something that's in it for them. So taking that concept back in 1994 and adding that into the business I've been working running since then, I found that works real well. So I guess to, to make a long story short, when you ask me about myself, I have the ability to get a, pe- a group of people to work together as a team to function for a common goal and all work together and row in the same direction. At the same time, because of my engineering background, I had the ability to create systems. And I don't know if you ever read a book called The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. Great you book. Know, yeah. it's, it, you know, that's been, it's been my Bible for the, from a business standpoint ever since I started business. But I've, I'm very good at creating systems. And you let the systems run your business and you teach your people how to run those systems. So if you have uh, your people all buying in on the same direction, you have the systems in place. The third thing you need is how do you keep score? And that's the thing I think the biggest difference I try to bring to the table versus which most companies do, because most companies look at their bottom line. They look at the profit and loss statement and they judge their business on how the, how their earnings were, or how the profit was last month. And to me, that's a lagging indicator. It's like running your business, looking in your rearview mirror. I feel companies have to learn how to look at their resources and the resources of manpower, money, management, and materials. They're your common resources you use every day. You have to look at those things and track those things and be aware of those things on a daily basis. Then that becomes a leading indicator. So when you have a leading indicator, you can make changes day-to-day, week-to-week, when you have a lagging indicator, you're going from past history and you're just hoping and changing. So um, (laughs) I I put a lot of information in there that we could talk from. My background, that's how I got to where I am. Yeah, well, I I mean, I'm thinking about, I mean, managing 50-plus people is no small feat, especially getting them all on the same page. Right. It it feels like when we talk about um, the operations of a business, it feels like as the business grows and gets larger... Mm-hmm. Um, it also seems to get much more complicated because yes. people are complicated and it's hard to keep everyone on the same page. Mm-hmm. It, it seems like larger corporations are struggling today to stay agile, to stay efficient. Um, you have people in the business who say things like, well, that's how we've always done it, even though it's not very efficient. Mm-hmm. What kinds of conversations are you having with people to try to help them be more efficient and be more agile, especially when I mean, we're living in a COVID world where a lot's changing on a, even a week-to-week basis? How are you helping in that regard? Well, I think the way I'd like to, to position this and phrase this, Blake, is you, you can't look at, at an individual basis. You can't just look at operations and say, I'm going to change something in operations and think everything's going to work. I'm going to go back to what I said before. You have to have an alignment of your strategy, your operations, and your culture. And what what I mean with that is they all share the same resources. The same resources you use. Your culture is your people. Your strategy is run by your by those people. Your operations is run by those people. You put the money in your in your culture. You put the money in your strategy. So unless you have a holistic approach to everything you're doing, it's hard to just focus on getting more efficient day to day. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? It does, and I I mean it makes perfect sense, and it's very intuitive. I'm just wondering. I mean, you're talking about a level of connectiveness in an organization that is rare, for better. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, for worse. I would say for better or worse. For worse, it's rare. It's worse. You know, it's not uncommon for an organization to say, oh, well, that, you know, culture, that's that's HR's job. They have fluff. It's fluff. They call it fluff. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, strategy, that's for the executives, like the frontline people. They don't need to know what the strategy is. Like 
Yeah, I, I guess I just appreciate your perspective on okay. one transparency and two. I mean, you're basically encouraging organizations. You called it being holistic, mm-hmm. uh, but being connected with one another rather than you know the siloed out. You know what department handles what. Right. Well, what what you just said is what I found. You know, people are in silos. People have excuses as to we've always done it this way. That's usually when I when I go in to talk to any kind of client, that's what I run into. And I think that the number one thing that I try to make sure when I talk to a client and we decide we're going to try to do some work together is your mindset. And it's the mindset of that leadership team. If your if your leadership team is not into a mindset now of collaboration and inclusion, we don't have any room to talk because you're going to still want to do it the same the same old way. So you get that you get it holistic when you start including your people in the process. And I gave you that example up front about the working at Meet Johnson and, and getting everybody on board uh, to save our jobs. That was that's the key. You know why are you in business? What's the purpose? What's the goal? What have you been trying to do? I think a lot of people get in business, they lose sight of what their day-to-day business, they they do their day-to-day business, they lose sight of why they exist. And when you have a purpose to exist and your people can buy into that purpose you exist and are on board with that purpose why you exist, that's step one. Step two is what's the compelling story? What are we trying to achieve together? Our values and everything must line up together. Our um, values of the employees, the values of the leadership team, they must all line up together. And we have to live those values. So you have that, that, that purpose, what we're trying to do. You have that compelling story of what we're trying to achieve. Now, back again, the example back in 1994, we tried to save our jobs from an outsourcer and we tried to make sure we're better, faster, and cheaper. If everybody in a department buys into that, it makes it easy to make day-to-day decisions. They start making suggestions. Well, we can do this better than this because of X, Y, Z. So when you have your people buying in and you have your company aligned because you're going in the same direction, you have to have that first. So if a CEO or executive is not going to make that change where they take input from their employees and make mm-hmm. them a part of the solution and the process, it's going to be tougher than to move forward. So I think when I talk about holistic, that's what I'm talking sure. about. That has to be the foundation. Let me let me give you one more last example that, that make you, I think I make a, a, lot of, a lot of crystal clear. Think of a NASCAR team. You know, you have a, that NASCAR is built for one special purpose, to go around that, to go around that curve, a circle, a circle, circle, one way. That's not the same kind of car you run on the street. That car is constructed a certain way. On the other side, you have your team, your driver, and your pit crew. They have to function on the same page each and every day. Then you got to take the team and the car, the team and the car, and put them together and race, race after race. Well, now if you look at your company from that standpoint, how's your infrastructure? Is your infrastructure set up for your employees to achieve? If it's not, it's going to be difficult. You look at your team with your drivers and your pit crew, which I call the employees. Can they? Are they all on the same page, rowing in the same direction, and heading for a common goal? A NASCAR team, you know what they're trying to do every race. You know what they're trying to do. That's not true in most companies. So without that guiding light, that North Star, everybody's on the same page. Those silos happen and no one fixes them. Mm-hmm. That's a it, long answer, I know. No, it's great. And it's actually speaking of NASCAR, you know, thinking about this concept of listening to your people, engaging your people in the conversation. Uh, there was some story of a business. It was like an ice cream production line or something. Okay. And they they would make vanilla and then they would make chocolate and it was all in the same production line. 
but to switch to chocolate, it was like this incredibly expensive, like they had to like, not only just like clean everything, but they had to take certain parts out, put new parts Mm -hmm. in. It was very complicated for some reason. But speaking of NASCAR, someone had like a brother who like worked as a pit crew person mm-hmm. and they realized that they could take some of these concepts from the pit crew and basically make the production line um, uh, come apart piece by piece in a very easy to replace way so that actually the downtime was uh, basically nothing. It was actually incredibly easy to switch from chocolate to vanilla or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And I think about companies where the owner or the executive team is not open to that kind of suggestion who maybe holds their hand up and says, okay, well, we're not, we're an ice cream company. We're not a NASCAR company. Um, and even owners who maybe you've talked to who've said, well, I'm, I'm uncomfortable at the idea of engaging my frontline employee because this is my business. I started this business. I took on all the risk. How do you encourage owners to be more willing to engage their employees and to let go of some of that control. It, it goes back to what I, I think I said earlier. It's it's a mindset. And if those owners are not willing to make that change in mindset to, to, a, to come where the world is today, I, I hate to say this, Blake, but I don't work with them. Because mm-hmm. if, if you're going to have a fixed mindset and keep trying to do the same thing you've always been doing and expecting different results, mm-hmm. you kind of, everybody knows what that is, but that's what they're doing. You know, they have bad numbers one month. Uh, they change their management team or they buy some new technology or they get some new program. They keep on putting these little fixes or band-aids in and they don't work. Until you, you, know, you, you look at your workforce these days, you have a lot of younger people, millenniums and, and different age groups. They want to be involved in something. They want to make sure their job means something. And if you as a business owner don't want to take the advice and input from those people at the front line who are doing for your customers day after day and think you know it all, you deserve what you get. I guess it's the best mm-hmm. way I can, I can yeah. put that. I mean, so if you say I want to grow and, and have growth and profitability, good luck. Because to me, if unless your employees are on board buying in with you, it's going to be very, very difficult. I mean, it's you can't you can't have an uh, environment of fear and expect that to be a successful long-term strategy. You have to have an environment of collaboration and inclusion where it says we're all in this together. So it comes back to that. If you're not going to change that mindset, uh, you get what you get. Does that make sense? It totally. Yeah. And, and I imagine you have plenty of conversations on sort of rewiring how people view their perspective of leadership. Because I know some mm-hmm. people as the business owner, they think of themselves as the leader of like, I have to be like the general, so to speak, and I have to command people and this is what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of pretty interesting data out there on how that's sort of an old-fashioned way to approach yes. it. And that actually the more effective leader of today is what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. They're collaborative, they're inviting. Um, not that they, you know, it's not necessarily like you're singing Kumbaya, but but they are engaging people on their team to collaborate on whatever product that you're they're creating together. I'm gonna I'm gonna recommend, and I, I do this to all my potential clients. I'm gonna recommend two books. Uh, that uh, have been beneficial for me, but beneficial for clients. One is a book by Simon Sinek called Start With Why. And that helps you identify what your purpose is. The second one is a book by, I think his name is Park Howe, is called Brand Bewitchery. And it's how to put together your compelling story. When you Let me back up. When you put together a compelling story, your employees are the hero. You got to put together a story that your employees feel a part of. They're, mm. they're, they're the heroes going to make things happen. So when you have a purpose where you're going to, 
and you have a compelling story and you combine them, that's the basic of, of, of what you're trying to do. So I try to help people get their mindset changed by reading those two books. Uh, so when, 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 once you do that and you then see the, 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 the benefit of you're going to win when you include everybody else, that's when you have a, play, a way to start talking. Now, in, in the people that you're working with, the kind of work you're doing on a day-to-day basis, um, think, think, take, for example, the business owner who they don't, they don't necessarily want to be the person who has like the fixed mindset. I mean, they're okay. maybe even, maybe they're even listening thinking like, yes, I want to have that growth mindset. I want to, I want to revamp how I run my business. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't necessarily know where to start. Let's okay. say maybe they, they have a, they have a working product. They have something that they're selling. They're profitable for the most part in the, in the sense of, you know, they're not going to go bankrupt tomorrow. Um, and maybe they even have a small team. And they're listening, thinking, okay, yeah, I, I, I have a sense that the business needs to run better, but I just don't, you know, it's kind of like when you're in it, it's kind of hard to see it, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. What, what's the starting point okay. for them? Well, let, let's talk about, and I think the best way to think about that is, is, is go back to basics, all right? Basic, when I say basics, business 101, you have resources, and you have assets. And our job as a management team is to take the resources we have and maximize the long-term value of those assets. All right, so when I talk about resources, again, material, manpower, money, and management. When I talk about assets, people, places, processes, and purchases. So you take your resources to maximize the long-term value of your assets. So it comes down back to your, and I'm, I'm gonna get to the day, I'm gonna get to the day-to-day part, but uh, when, when it comes back to you look at your resources, how do I make sure I'm utilizing my resources effectively each and every day? And what I find when people do not use their resources effectively each and every day, they they have what I call value drains. By that, I mean they're leaving money on the table. And they're leaving money on the table mainly because of three different ways. Number one, disengaged employees, you know, employees are just tuned out. Mm-hmm. Number two, unnecessary complexity. You know, a lot of people started a business 10, 15 years ago, and they had a system they, they, they used to start their business. But over time, their business evolved, but they, they, they didn't change their systems. So therefore, they, they brought in unnecessary complexity. And the third thing is hidden costs. And hidden costs can be um, um, bottlenecks in the process, or it, it can be money that's going that's, that's not, being, that not being used well. So if you look at those three things as value trains, if your people are all on the same page and you're using your resources efficiently, you don't have value drains. So how do we do that? You used the word earlier, transparency, and you have to bring transparency back to your day-to-day operations. And what I mean by that, you have to start looking at your resource utilization as transactions. It just, just like you, you know, right now, you might look at where every dollar in your business goes. You now have to look at where your manpower goes, where your material goes, and where your and management. I'm going to use the term management when I say management, skills and ability. You bring your jobs down, your work down to, I need these skills. Who has these skills to put them on that job? Right, so when, once you have the ability to have be transparent into your into your uh, your operations, the next step is how, how do you plan and schedule your activities? Most companies op- don't operate for plan; they don't operate for schedule. They just kind of shoot from the hip. All right, you have th- you have 
process management, excuse me, you have project management. A lot of people, if they want to get better, they create projects. Projects are a, once, a once-off thing. You do it, you have a goal, it's done. But you also have work management, the day-to-day thing where you have to work that's done day after day after day. And then you have asset management. You got to use your resources for your project management, your, your work management, and your asset management. How do we do that effectively? We got to schedule them. And the concept I try to teach business owners is what I call a three-week rolling schedule. And when I say a three-week rolling schedule, you're looking at over the next three weeks, what resources do I need and, and what assets do I need over those next three weeks? So if you could say two, and I, I, I call it a three-week working schedule, two, two weeks out is your forecast schedule. Next week out is your plan schedule. This current week is your operating schedule. And what I try to teach people, when you put things on that operating schedule, you want to complete that operating schedule 90% of the time. If you complete your operating schedule and the things you plan to do, you do them 90% of the time or better, you're going to sustain long-term profitability. You're going to sustain and have the money to fund your growth. Right, so how to make this thing work, when you put that forecast schedule together, you're saying, here are the projects I'm going to be working on in two weeks. Here's the work I'm going to be working on in two weeks. Here are the assets I'm going to maintain in two weeks. So when you look at that, do I have all the materials I need to do that? Do I have the manpower needed to do that? Is Joe on vacation? Is Sally on maternity leave? And when you look at that schedule two weeks out, you have two weeks now to resolve those conflicts. If material's not there, you order it. If manpower's not there, you get replacement. Then you kind of fine tune it that the, the planning week, you make sure everything is there that you need the following week. And that becomes your operating schedule. So when you, uh, and I say that working in maintenance and have my own maintenance company, uh, facility management company, the number of times I've seen workers go to the job to do a project or do a work order, they get there, they don't have the parts or the line's not available. That's lost money. That's right. lost time. If you got to eliminate that kind of stuff, so you can make sure what you need is there when you need it. So I mean, so uh, when you have that schedule and you make sure you resolve those conflicts before it gets down to the operating schedule, that's the key. And when you're keeping score, that score has got to be visible to everybody. In other words, it's 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 like I remember when my son was um, uh, five and six years old, and he had a little pee wee soccer, and they say, "Well, we're not keeping score." And everybody, you know, every dad in the in the stands kept score. They know exactly what the score was every time they went, they went sure. by. The same thing applies to your employees. Sure. If they they know the score, they know what they have to do, particularly. When you when it's transparent and they're on the line saying I could do step X Y Z on this day if I don't everybody's going to know I screwed up. There's yeah. a self it's a built in accountability. So that scheduling process and and I have I, I, I basically I brought it down to the point Blake where it's there's only one measure I look at when I talk to a client and the only measure that matters to me is schedule completion. If we complete our operating schedule each and every week, and that's that, you know, we might start out, it might be 40, 50, 60 percent, but you, your goal is to get it up to 90 percent or better. And when you're up to 90 percent or better, everybody's buying in, you're all on the same page, and you're making concrete steps to achieve that long term goal that you have. But that's how you, that's where the holistic part comes in. If, if your employees think you're gaming them, they're going to be disengaged. Right. If if you have to have a lot of hurdles in the process where you got to get approval from X, Y, Z before we do this, or you have an employee who says, uh, I need this, I need an answer from my boss before I do X, Y, Z. That's time. Time right. wasted is money wasted. So right. I mean the scheduling process where everybody knows what they got to do, they execute the schedule, 
And we do that week after week after week, month after month, year after year, you are going to be successful and you're going to grow. I, I love your con- your comment on the transparency of SCORE. And I've even seen some businesses, I worked for a business where um, things like the P&L was way beyond my pay grade, but it was <laughs> but it was available for me to look at if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And even though I had no business really looking at it, it was actually pretty empowering in terms of, okay, this is how my role fits into the greater story of the business. Um, and I remember our CEO was like, why wouldn't I want them to look at it? Like, why wouldn't I want them engaged with how we're doing financially in the business? So I really appreciate that comment. The other thing I wanted to ask you and we're running towards the end of our, our podcast here. Okay. Uh, so I'll try to be brief. Um, the, the system you're talking about, like the scheduling, so intuitive, makes perfect sense. And I think everyone listening, some of them are maybe even foaming at the mouth of like, oh my gosh, I would love my business to have that kind of structure to it. Which by the way, if you guys are listening, maybe you need to, maybe you need to call Wayne and have him, <laughs> maybe have him give you a hand. But I think what I think what typically happens is like we're excited about that. And then like the day-to-day firefighting, like, you know, something gets dropped, something gets messed up. You know, it's kind of like the running joke about strategic plans and that, you know, you build out a 12-month strategic plan that gets abandoned by, you know, the fourth week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, how have you encouraged people to stay disciplined and to maybe even create that discipline to stick to what you've set out to do? Okay. Well, the there's a, a a process we use. It's a it's a, like a twelve week process where we, we can take a, a a client from where they are to take under where they need to go to where they have that 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 scheduling process put in place. And it all starts where it comes back to that holistic approach. We look at strategy. We look at culture. We look at operations. So we make sure your company is in alignment first. Then we look at the employee buy in. Uh, what what I call it now is rules of engagement. The you're you're in, you're. You know how people have these values they put up on a wall and they're just words on a wall that nobody looks at, nobody cares about? Well, your rules of engagement have got to be your code of conduct. So we, they, we get the employee, employee buy-in from the, by that rules of engagement. Then, then from there, it, it's a hierarchy process. You start with your, your executive team. The executive team talks about the framework we have to work within. And then you have your managers, the manager level, let's put the guts on that framework. Here are the systems we need to have. Here's the, here's the process we need to have. And I use a term called recipes. If you're working, you're working work, you're, what you do on a day-to-day basis, your work, I look at them as recipes because I love to cook. And every time you want to cook to impress somebody, you're going to find a recipe, you're going to get the bright ingredients, you're going to make sure they're there when you get started. So if you look at your business from that same standpoint and have your employees create the recipes that go into the system, they know those recipes. They buy in because they created those recipes. They're going to do them right. They're not going to do short cutting. So again, the framework, the systems, and the recipes, you bring all that together over a 12-week period. You teach, I teach people how to do that. And by the, by the time that's all said and done, they know the important thing is a schedule because they have a scoreboard everyone can look at. That's a, that's a real condensed answer, but that's how we do it. Wayne, for people who are listening who they want to follow up you, maybe even reach out to you um, about maybe even specifically this 12-week 12 12 process, mm-hmm. what's the best way for people to, one, reach out to you and two, maybe even follow you to see okay. your latest insights? Well, the, the website is growcompanyprofits.com. I can be reached at wing at growcompanyprofits.com. And it's also one of the things that I'll share with you, Blake, that I'll, uh, is available to your listeners. We have an assessment tool. 
where number one, it helps you assess how your strategy, culture, and operations are aligned. And your audience can go there going by www.alignmentanalyzer.com. And once they do that, they can see how their strategy, culture, and operations are aligned. Once they take that step, they can take a next step, which is I call a value drain detector. And they can see to what extent your company is infested with disengaged employees, understated complexity, and hidden costs. Once they take that step, we can take them to a third step, which is called put a number on it. How much is that money? How much of the money are you leaving on the table? And how much of the money of your operating budget are you leaving on the table? So those three steps are available. They're all free. They're all online. They're all assessments. But at least gives you an idea of where you're starting from. You get a, you get a concrete area of, of where you are. So what we try to do, find out where you are at your starting point. Here is your operation except, exceptionally operating company. You close the gap. So better things we got to do, Wayne at growcompanyprofits.com. I'm also available on LinkedIn. So I, I think that's the best way to kind of leave it when it goes to who I am. What was the analyzer uh, URL address again? Okay. It's www.alignmentanalyzer.com. Perfect. And it's, uh, it takes about, it's about 40 questions. It's going to take about 30 minutes. You'll see my pretty face leading you through the discussion. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's not a pretty face. You'll see my face leading you through the discussion. And, basically, and, and what we do, let me just tell you how that works. If you have an operationally excellent company, they have certain behaviors, actions, and decisions. They do. They've done it year after year. So what we try to do is look at your current leadership team and the behaviors, actions, and decisions you make and compare that to our operation exit team. So that's that's how we kind of get a feel of what the alignment is. So we, we take that same process to all three of those stages we, we take our clients through. Well, Wayne, it's been great having you on the podcast today. You shared so many great insights. I love today's episode, and I want to thank you for joining me today. No, I enjoy being here. If you can't tell, I like what I talk about. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's it's great to love what you do, right? <laughs> Thank you very much, Blake, for having so. me. Hey, for our listeners, if you love today's episode, don't forget to uh, leave us a review. Tell us what you think about the episode. And of course, if you've been following the episode, what the heck are you waiting on? Click the subscribe button, click the follow button so you keep getting good advice wherever you're at. Hey, if you've been thinking about the operations of your business and you're thinking, man, yes, I want that structured, disciplined approach to running my business more profitably and more collaboratively, definitely check out Wayne's website. Again, it's at growcompanyprofits.com. And you can also do an assessment for your business at alignmentanalyzer.com. Both of those will be down in the episode description below. You can also email Wayne at wayne at growcompanyprofits.com. And again, that will be down in the episode description below. Hey, also down in the episode description, you're going to see a little link to our Patreon. If you love the podcast, you want to support the podcast, click on that link, buy us a cup of coffee, maybe even get your business advertised on the podcast in our introduction. Again, just go to patreon.com slash good advice. And hey, we appreciate you. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you later.